and welcome back to the Aesthetic Podcast with Aesthetic Anne and her favorite co-host, Sarah. That would be you. Me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. Thank you. Welcome back to another episode. And today we have with us Tracy Hotta, and she is not only, um, I'm very honored to call her a friend and colleague of mine, but she is an outstanding aesthetic nurse. The interesting thing is she is located in Canada and not here in the United States. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Anne. How are you? And Sarah. <laughs> We're doing great today. Thanks. How are you guys? Are you are you thawing out up there? We are thawing out. We actually just got through our snowstorm, and now it's all starting to melt. Oh, is that yeah. good news or bad news? <laughs> well, I guess good news, but it was very pretty. Like snow, snow is very pretty when it's not on the roads, but uh, we did get storm stayed in Ottawa. We were doing a training in Ottawa and we ended up spending an extra night in Ottawa because all the flights were canceled. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 It's been troublesome here too. My- yeah. We're struggling with like a good 75, 78 today. <laughs> well, today. That's yeah. hard. Well, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> My mother-in-law though, she lives in the Minneapolis area and we called her last week one day when it was, I think, 57 below and the wind chill was like colder wow. than that. So needless to say, she was begging and pleading to come see us. So actually, I think we're going to have her come see us pretty soon and get her out of the frozen tundra up there. Oh, oh horrible. <laughs> yeah, I, go, I, I go to Haiti on Wednesday and it's 33, to, well, 33 Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. <laughs> it's in Canada, we go Celsius. So that's probably 100 and something. Oh, wow. That's yeah, going to so be quite the change. Yeah, we're doing a mission trip to Haiti, so we'll, we'll, I'll get out of the tundra. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. I'm glad to hear that. I didn't know you did those kinds of things. We'll have to talk off podcast. You'll have to tell me more about yes, that. Um, but I'm going to introduce you real quick to our listeners. So Tracy is the director of THMA Consulting and owner of TH Medical Aesthetics in Thornhill, Ontario, which those of you who do not know, that's about a half about half an hour north of Toronto. Would that be correct? That is correct, All yeah. right. I know my geography. Not really. Yes, After did. she Googled it about <laughs> 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, I know how to use Google. Um, <laughs> so what's interesting, though, is some of these things I didn't know about you. You began your nursing career in 84, and so you've been doing that for the last 28 years. And out of that, it's been plastic surgery, nursing, and aesthetics. Um, you began the, the aesthetic portion in 94, where you were actually one of the first nurse injectors in Canada, which I did not know that. That is really cool. Um, yeah. So um, you're a member of the prestigious Quarter Century Club of the Registered Nurses Association of Ontario. And um, this is what you and I connect on so much and what I love so much about you. You are a strong advocate for patient safety and passionate about providing medical professionals with the highest quality of aesthetic education. And yes, yes, you and I, I mean, that's why I have this podcast. It's, it's for the public. It's also for other professionals. It's for anybody who cares about safety when it comes to anything, plastic surgery or aesthetic. So first of all, tell me a little bit about, well, actually, I'll let them know. They can go to thmaconsulting.com, 
Um, that's T-H is in Tracy Hotta, <laughs> M-A for <laughs> medicalaestheticsconsulting.com. And so for the um, aesthetic provider side, for nurses, physicians, NPs, PAs, you do not have to be Canadian to come and be trained by you, correct? You don't have to be, but for the hands-on portion, so we have four different components to our program. Um, the first course is a facial anatomy course that's specific to medical aesthetics. So you could come to that and, and join in on that if you're from the States. Um, there's also five contact hours through the Tennessee Nursing Association that's, um, that, we've require, that we've acquired. Um, so you do get contact hours for that. Oh, so, so I can actually come up there, and even though I'm not a Canadian nurse or have a Canadian nursing license, I will get U.S. contact hours. Exactly. Awesome. The difference within Canada, we don't need contact hours. So our, in order to maintain our license, we have peer review or quality assurance program. So we do, we don't need contact hours up here, Oh. which is kind of different. I like the fact of contact hours and you know, you're getting your, you know, proper education, but uh, it's not required in Canada. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, but for the hands-on, so we have the, the course, the course one is facial anatomy. It's about four to five hours of facial anatomy. Then our course two is a didactic program. Um, that's on the pharmacology, clinical assessment, and injection techniques. That's about eight hours for that course. And we've just applied to get 10 contact hours for, for that course through the Tennessee Nursing Association. So U.S. people would be able to take that one as well. Oh, great. For the hands-on mentoring, you would have to make sure that your insurer in the U.S. would insure you in Ontario. Right. So because you wouldn't be covered in, in under, under our um, medical liability insurance. And that's any nurse that if they're coming um, to take the program and say they're from Manitoba or from Alberta, they have to make sure that their coverage in that province covers them to be doing a treatment that is in another province. Yeah. Which obviously yeah. is not a problem because you've been successful with growing your program and people are able to come and meet these standards. So yeah. it's, it's yeah. a proven that, you know, they, I guess the point is they just have to have the right insurance company. Insurance, yeah. And, yeah. and we have our, our um, license in Manitoba now. So oh, any great. province that we're going to, we'll, we'll um, get our license in that province. So then we can actually touch a patient right now if we went to, say, Alberta. We can teach it. We just can't touch a patient if we're not, uh, if we don't have our license in that province. Yeah, which is very similar to here in the states. You know, it's the same thing um, as trainers for the different, you know, corporations like Allergan and Galderma and Mertz, all those things. You know, the trainers are not able to touch the patients. They can only guide and assist. And exactly. you know, after the training is over or something, a separate separate arrangement or something like that has to be made. Now the people injecting, the people taking the course can touch the patient because it's their model, quote model on their patient, but the trainer can't. So yeah, I totally get yeah. what you're saying there. But yeah. you know, what's interesting though, is I think a lot of people that are new to, to aesthetics may not think that going and watching a course and, and taking the course would be helpful to them. But really it's, I think, I personally believe it's quite the opposite. You and I attend 
ISPAN, International Society of Plastic and Aesthetic Nurses, you know, we attend that, those meetings. And many times we're observing, we're not putting hands on anybody. And I think that when you are doing both observing, trying to take in all this new information and looking and seeing these new techniques and then you're trying it, it can sometimes be overwhelming. So I want to encourage people that, you know, practitioners that are listening to this podcast, not to let that hold them back, that if they come and they're trained by you, which I highly recommend that, if they're trained by you, they're going to get so much out of it and so much more than I think anything we have here in the States. I mean, I've attended many different kinds of trainings, but the way that you've told me about your training, the things that we've discussed, you go over and above almost anything I've ever done here. Usually, usually something that I've done here that comes close to what you're doing there in Canada is when I have reached out to an individual and they have personally mentored me and taken me under their wing. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've been working on this program for a couple of years. Uh, and then we just rolled it out a year ago and it's been, we're working every weekend now doing, doing trainings. Um, but it's always been, my number one thing has always been patient safety and patient care. Um, that's, that's sort of what everything is based on. You know, the anatomy is based on, you know, recognizing the, um, surface landmarks and any of the, um, um, you know, areas, areas where you want to avoid for complications. So identifying the structures to avoid the complications. And we're a lot of cadaver videos. We will be having a cadaver lab in the fall, which will be anybody that's oh. taken our program can then attend the cadaver lab. I mean, it'll only be probably up to 40 people. But we are going to have that in the fall as well, because that's another great way of trying to educate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and being really able to... What, what we do with our cadaver labs now through our Canadian Society of Aesthetics, nursing specialty nurses, is that we have our cadavers, we inject them with latex so that we can see the blood vessels. Oh, cool. We dissect one side so you can see the anatomy. The other side, the practitioners get to inject the cadaver heads with fillers as to how they would do, whether it's a needle or cannula, and then we help them to dissect the other side so they can see where the product's been placed and whether it's close to a structure that would be considered, um, you know, a dangerous area to inject. Right, right. So that's a, another component that we're going to add to it in, in the fall. Oh, fabulous. Oh, that yeah. sounds wonderful. Oh. Well, the other thing that, uh, that I think is so unique about your program, and when you told me this last month, I, you know, I was like, ah! <laughs> I don't know if you remember that or not. I do. <laughs> but, you know where I'm going. The business ethics part about it, because so much of that is lacking. And even here in the States, I get really frustrated. And I'm not going to get into this, but I just get really frustrated with what not only a lot of nurses don't know about their scope of practice, um, other different, um, you know, industry type licensed people don't know and what physicians don't really understand about their licenses and how it affects those other people in the industry and whether they can or cannot delegate. Um, but then also just the patient safety aspect of it, which is a huge ethics thing. Um, you know, especially here in the States, when you have a med spa, you're dealing with a cash pay and a retail sales system, but yet 
as a medical you know, personnel, I still have to be very aware of, you know, the patient safety, patient advocacy, you know, those need to come first over and above, you know, making sales for an entity, right? So yes. why don't you touch on a little bit on what your business ethics course covers? So with the business ethics course, what I found with uh, a lot of nurses that were going through training programs and then they would come to us before we developed one is that they had the skills to um, put a needle to a muscle, but they didn't know the ethics behind their scope of practice. So we talk specifically about the scope of practice for nurses and for physicians as well. Um, and, you know, following the proper guidelines that has already been set out by the college and all the regulations are there, just nobody takes the time to read them. Right. So we go through those. Um, we talk about policy manual development. So, you know, in the hospital, everybody has a policy for every little thing that's being done. There's no reason. I mean, you have to have one in your private setting as well. Yeah. So yeah. which includes your medical directives. And there's so many clinics that we go into that we ask for to see their policy manual or their medical directives, which gives them the, the, um, the right to be doing treatments as a controlled act. And they don't have them. It's like, well, then how are you doing your treatments? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so we, we go through how to develop medical directives, um, the importance of an informed consent. We go through documentation, the, the legal aspect of documentation. The main one that we really spend a lot of time on is the advertising guidelines. Oh, okay. So, especially with social media. So what you can say on social media, on Facebook, you know, we've got uh, one nurse that was in our in Ontario that just had her license suspended because on her website she said she was the best injector in Toronto. Well, that's misleading. You can't say that. Yeah, because there's no proof yeah. behind that. You have that's it's the same in the states, yeah. and a lot of people yeah. don't know that. You see surgeons put stuff like that on there all the time and you're like well what's the measurement for that <laughs> they, they're required to have proof of what they're stating basically correct yeah yeah and all the advertising has to be educational not self-promoting okay yeah yeah, yeah well that so totally makes we sense go through a lot lot with that and you know a lot of people are like oh my god but so-and-so is doing this and it's like but don't be doing what they're doing just because they're doing it, it you know, and they may, you know, the Advertising Canada Standards of Canada may come down and may say something. And people do report other people, you know, yeah. because it's their competition. Yeah, yeah. So even on the websites, you can't say you have Latisse that grows lashes. And you guys probably have the same thing. You can say you have Latisse as your practitioner. You can say we have a medication to grow lashes, but you can't put the two together. Oh, I did um, yeah. not realize that. I don't know if it's yeah. like that here. Yeah, so with Botox, you can't say you have Botox to get rid of wrinkles. We have an injection that can get rid of wrinkles. We have Botox, you can ask our practitioner, but you can't put the two together. Huh. Yeah, so that's, that's like something that a lot of people of get medicine get and retail. On. What was that? I said it's like the separation of medicine and retail. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where I think a lot of people, you know, they, they forget about the, it's a black and white line, it's not gray. Yeah. So... And, and even with the, um, you know, people will talk about units of Botox. Um, there's been some nurses in Quebec that have had their uh, hands slapped for selling a medication. Um, and they're nurses, they're not physicians. Right. And we have that going on down here, as you're aware. Of. That's what I spoke on this last year at ISPAN. That was 
part of my presentation and and what we were dealing with here in Texas and helping yes. to correct that. And and my big focus is trying to help educate not only practitioners, but the public on that too. But so let's yeah. get into a couple of things real quick. So thank you for telling us about THMA. I had to think about that. THMA Consulting. <laughs> Because it truly is a fabulous program, and I cannot wait um, to take a trip to Canada, come see you, be, um, I'm not going to be personally mentored because I won't be able to inject, but I can't wait to come and take one of the courses. I would really like to take um, the two courses, the one of the injecting or the cadaver class, actually, when it comes out, and the business ethics. I would love to take both of those. And I just might happen to be able to write that off if I come visit you <laughs> since it's for business. <laughs> so, well, and you can, you can stay at Hotel Hada. Oh, great. Not a problem. <laughs> awesome. The um, Air, Airbnb Hada? Yes. Okay, yeah. awesome. That, thank you. That would be great. Um, so let's talk about some of the products and things. Um, Obviously, you're using these products when you're in your consulting practice when people are coming, but you're also using them on patients because not only do you have the training facility and do the training, but you have probably a massive patient load of people come see you. And um, and also here in the States, some of these products are have a different name than they do in Canada. But for the most part, um, are you, when it comes to like a, a neuromodulator, and for people that may be listening for the first time to any kind of aesthetic podcast, a neuromodulator is something that uh, reduces the movement of muscles. And um, then that way we get rid of, we can smooth fine lines or wrinkles that may be caused by muscle movement. So for instance, the 11s between your eyebrows. So do you, are you a Botox advocate? Are you a Galderma Dysport advocate? I mean, do you, what do you feel on the neuromodulators? I use both. And how do you make that yeah. distinction on how you decide who, uh, what you're going to use? Um, I mean, some patients have a preference, you know, that they've used Botox for a long time and they're like, they want to change and do something different. So we do carry uh, Botox and um, Dysport. We carry both. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the diffusion of Dysport, say, around the eye area, that I want to catch more of the, the crow's feet. So I do like Dysport in that area. Mm-hmm. Use Dysport on the neck, and I don't find that it's strong enough for the platysmal bands. Because okay. we we did sort of a in-office clinical study of Dysport on one side and Botox on the other. So I do prefer Botox on the neck on the platysmal bands. Okay. Um, for glabella and forehead, it either or. Yeah. For so yeah. the way I describe it to patients, and this is just my personal observations. Um, the way I describe it to patients is if they tend to want no movement at all, quote, the frozen look, and some people actually want that, I tend to yeah. kind of gravitate towards Botox when you, use, yeah. when you use the recommended dosing, because I feel like Botox is either on or off. It's either when you use the recommended dosing, it's on, it's frozen. When people like, oh, I want to look a little bit more natural, and you back off on the dosing, it kind of doesn't really seem to really be on. It doesn't give them that looser movement. But so with Dysport, that's what I find. I find with Dysport, when you use the recommended dosing, it gives them a little bit of a looser, you know, tightness, a little bit looser of the non-movement. And in fact, that's, and I tell them, that's what Dysport actually advertises. That's what they market is not the frozen look, 
So that's why yeah. I feel like I can say that because that's their whole marketing you know, campaign. And I feel like they're pretty spot on with that. Um, so quick question. If you like Botox and the platysmal bands, um, and I've always shied away from this, but if you like Botox and the platysmal bands, can you inject Botox there, but then use Dysport on the rest of the face all in the same treatment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there w- I I wouldn't see that there was any contraindication that you couldn't use both. Okay. Together, because they're, they're both the same strain of botulinum toxin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I've I've thought about it, but I've never really done any research or looked it up, and so yeah, well, that'd be interesting. Yeah, um, and, it's, and it's funny because I know of a couple practitioners that mix the Dysport and the Botox together oh. in the syringe and inject it. It was like. First off, why would you do that? But Okay, <laughs> anyway. wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. They, yeah, they said, oh, I just wanted to see if it made a difference. So it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if those patients knew they were being experimented on. Excuse me, do you mind being my lab rat? <laughs> do you mind being my lab rat this afternoon? <laughs> wow, that's interesting. I mean, uh-huh. yeah, it's probably not going to hurt anything, but that's just really interesting. So when it comes to, when it comes to fillers... Um, you know, we have different fillers. We have the hyaluronic acid fillers, and then we have the biostimulatory. Um, and you and I belong to some of these nurse injector groups and things. And I see that you love Bellafil, which I do too, but it has to yeah. be very, very patient specific. So, yes. I mean, do you prefer Bellafil over Radius, over Sculptra, or are you more of like, well, I love those too because they address something completely different than what you use Bellafil for. Yeah, I mean, Bellafil is kind of my go-to for people that have used hyaluronic acids and it just doesn't last on them. Okay. Or temples. Love Bellafil in the temples yeah. using a 22 cannula. It just doesn't make it look puffy and it just blends right into the, uh, into the uh, typically in the subcutaneous tissue. Yeah, I agree. I love it there. It's beautiful. That's my go-to for temples. Um, or for, yeah, like I said, for people that HA just doesn't last on them. Yeah. So then we'll, we'll use Bellafil. Um, I used to use Sculpture when I worked at a plastic surgeon's office. I didn't bring it into the office here. And I used to use Radius at the plastic surgeon's office as well, but I just didn't bring it up here either. So I haven't used, I would use Radius mainly in the hands because okay. that was the only approved product for hands. Yeah. Um, but I haven't used it in a couple of years. Yeah. And I kind of agree with you. I mean, I like them all, but and they all, it really depends on what you're doing. But I do start my clients out um, with um, hyaluronic acid first. I kind of, it's kind of, yeah. for me, it's like, you know, training wheels for fillers. You know, exactly, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Speaking, of, speaking of, I just said client, and I think that... <laughs> I think that there's, yeah, there's, there is a a discussion going on, whether it's patient or client. And, you know, I use client because when I first began in aesthetics, the first, it was a company, they're still around and they have multiple locations all over the U.S. And they're focused on lasers mostly. And they got into injectables about three or four years ago. So that could give some people a clue right there. But they always called them. We could never call them patients. I don't know why, but they insisted we call them client or even better yet, guests. They, we always had to refer to them as our guests, which I thought was weird. So, yeah, yeah so I started using client, 
but um, but you're correct. I mean, it, it should be patient because we're doing medical we're doing medical um, services and procedures, and they're a patient because they have to be medically cleared and yeah. make sure and that they they're. They have to sign a consent form. And if they have to sign a consent form, then they're a patient. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Well, it has been extremely helpful. And I hope that several practitioners will look into this and be sure that they go to thmaconsulting.com. Because, um, and then also look into, we mentioned, so a shameless plug for ISPAN, International Society of Plastic and Aesthetic <laughs> Nurses. They can go to ISPAN.org and check that out because um, we'll be having our meeting in San Diego this coming fall. And um, speaking of ISPAN, what about Canada? I know that you guys have some kind of aesthetic nursing society up there, correct? Yeah, which we do. So I'm a director. I was the founding founding father, I guess, of um, the Canadian Society of, originally it was Canadian Society of Plastic Surgical Nurses. Yeah. And then, because that was back in 2009, then we changed our name as to become more of the non-surgical. So it's the Canadian Society of Aesthetic Specialty Nurses. Oh, I love Special that. Nurses. And we um, developed our own practice standards and guidelines for medical aesthetics that has been accepted and adopted by the Canadian Nursing Association. So we are thrilled that that, and now we're a specialty group. So our guidelines are approved across Canada. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I hope that's something that maybe different boards of nursing, of course, it's state by state, and yours is, like you said, province by province, right? Province by province. Yeah, and our, ours is like the um, practice standards and guidelines. It's sort of a basic document. I think it's about 28 pages. And then each province can do addendums to it according to what their provincial scope of practice is. Yeah. There is a couple, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, the um, physician has to be on site for dermal fillers, but not for, for neurotoxins. Gotcha. So it does okay. go by. Change province up there and same here with the states but i hope that maybe the boards of nursing here in the states may get some wind of that and start looking at those practice standards and things um the texas board of nursing in november they put out information regarding lvn licensed vocational um, nursing or nurses lvns doing aesthetic practice and talked about those guidelines and then this month, they came out with um, registered nurses and the guidelines on how we can practice aesthetics, what's acceptable. And it basically boils down to, um, hey, guys, it's not any different than if you're in the hospital. <laughs> so whatever your scope of practice is in the hospital, um, if you need orders, if you have to have oversight, if you have to have you know this or that, it's not any different. So imagine that. So um, anyway, well, it's been such a pleasure to speak with you, Tracy. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. I can't believe it's over already. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule because, as you said, you're trying to get yourself together and packed and off to Haiti to go do some missionary work. I love that. I appreciate that. And um, we will be talking again some more. I so appreciate you. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you very much. Keep warm. <laughs> Will do. Yeah, yeah. And when you come up to, to Toronto or come up to Thornhill, 
probably shouldn't come up in the winter, but spring is really nice. <laughs> spring, or you said the cadaver class is in the fall, right? That'll be in the fall, so that could be it too. Oh, that sounds like that sounds like a trip I need to start planning now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, have a wonderful time. Take care. Okay, thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Well, that was an awesome interview. Lots of really great information. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure that you subscribe either on Spotify or iTunes to not miss the next episode because we have another special guest that will be with us. So thank you so much. We hope you guys have a wonderful day. You can always reach out to us at aestheticannrn at gmail.com if you have any comments or questions or if you even have any show ideas, we'd love to hear them. Yes, please submit your ideas. We'll... uh, We'd love that. And uh, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, The Aesthetic Podcast, Aesthetic and RN. That's all we got. Okay, bye, guys. Bye, y'all.